Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Only Stupid Answers, the best thing podcast you could put your little ears into. Boys and girls, please keep your little ears safe during this uh, self-isolation, this quarantine, because the stuff's scary out there. But don't worry, the two boys, DJ and Sam, are here to bring a little bit of joy. Or at the very least, if you're watching live, you can see the magic of VFX. Boy, howdy. I, I'm. It's like I'm sitting in the room with DJ right now. Uh, you guys probably can't tell the difference with the audio, but if you're watching live, man, this is movie magic in the making. You're missing DJ. out. You're missing out. You're missing out. This is wonderful. Uh, but DJ, yes. Uh, what do we do on this show? What is the, what are the kind of stuff that we talk about? So on this show, we like to talk about all the things we love. We talk, like to talk about movies, TV mm-hmm. shows, comic mm-hmm. books. And today mm-hmm. we have a very special guest, Mr. Dan Merle. Yay. Hello. Hello. Dan, Dan you- thank you so much for joining us. Oh, this is my pleasure. I'm I'm happy to join you guys. My first time on the show, so this is exciting. Yeah, we Very so uh, we've been you know having to rethink about the topics we talk about uh, episode to episode because we're not going to go see movies. But um, uh, so we were wondering about we were thinking about you know what this quarantine could mean to the future of movies, and I couldn't think of a better guest to hop on and discuss that with us. Yeah, I mean it, it's such um, it, it's crazy to think about. No, I, I was when I was doing charting over on, on uh, fandom entertainment back in January, we were covering this as a news story in China and the idea of like, you know, cause all the theaters closed right around Chinese new year. And it was to us, it was such this huge story. Cause it was like, Oh my God, all of China's theaters are closed. Never in a million years would I have thought that it would escalate to the point that we are sitting here. Now the theaters have been closed for weeks, probably going to be closed for weeks more I just I think there's just a part of your brain that doesn't even ever acknowledge that this could be a possibility. And it's it is it is the the the, the, the it's unprecedented. Yeah. And, and I think when you're living through a moment like this, sometimes it's hard to really uh, grasp or recognize how historic it is. But, you know, this isn't this is something that something like this. I hope not, but also likely will not ever happen again in any of our lifetimes. So yes. it, it's pretty nuts when you when you just kind of stop and take it all in. Yeah, it is oh, nuts no, to think about all the people that dealt with something similar are long gone. <laughs> like, they have no idea. Yeah. Like uh, everybody that um, the generations before us that are still around didn't didn't have to go through uh, anything like this. And I remember when you were talking about back in January, you know, we had some peers that were like freaking out. I'm like, calm down. It's not your things are fine right now. And then, like you said, we're, we are where we are right now. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Uh, but for the folks at home, uh, you, you know, I'll be honest, our audience might know Dan better than they know Sam, uh, Sam and DJ, honestly, because you've been a, a big part of the Screen Junkies and Fandom Family with uh, Honest Trailers uh, since 2012, if I read correctly online. Did Fandom get it right with your own synopsis, 2012 to 2020? They did. I'm very glad that Fandom's own uh, synopsis got it right. Yeah, I started at Screen Junkies in the fall of 2012, Same. right as the I think they were they were I hadn't started editing on his trailers, but right as the Avengers on his trailer was coming out. I remember there being a lot of uh, excitement around that. And yeah, with the launch of the Screen Junkies show with Hal Rudnick. 
I, I edited that and then uh, we, it sort of escalated from there. But yeah, fall of 2012. And then I guess you could say till early 2020 or spring 2020 would be my tenure there. Nice. And now you're heading off on a solo adventure. Uh, what is the name of your YouTube channel? Where can people find you and what can they expect? Well, the YouTube channel, my, my, my name URL was already taken. So on YouTube, you can find it at youtube.com slash Dan Merle movies. That's Great. where you can find it. The channel is just, uh, is just my name. Uh, and it's, you know, we're, we're at the end as we're recording this here, we're at the end of week one, we're going into week two and it's been really fun so far. I mean, we had a launch video, uh, which uh, has been amazing just to see the response from. And then I did an AMA this week, which was great. Like a lot of great questions from Patreon and from the chat and from the community tab, like a lot of people, uh, just asking about all kinds of things. And then, uh, just now today, uh, I put out my first review on the channel for Star Trek Picard. Uh, nice. so it's, it's, it's getting to that thing of now releasing reviews. And then I've got some stuff coming up this week that I think people are going to recognize and know uh, some more reviews, a, a, a show idea that I'm super excited about. So it's this thing now of like the launch is, is, is starting to be a little bit behind us. And now it's like getting into the, the, the rhythm of like, okay, what's this going to be? And, and what are we going to put out? And it's really exciting because if I have an idea, I could just do it. Yep. Yeah. That's one of the best like parts. That. Yeah, it was, it's it's really rewarding. It was I remember when we were um, just starting to, you know, Sam and I were both at SourceFed, and we started doing this. It's nice to not like. Uh, in Sam and my case, it was just like, "Are you cool with us?" And then, yeah, we're cool. We just had to. It's like we both had to turn our keys simultaneously. But other than that, that was that that was the only infrastructure we had to deal with. Well, it, it takes me back to the early days of Screen Junkies because when I first started, and then probably for about a year we were just like this pet channel in the corner that, you know, we did honest trailers, but other than that, nobody really cared what we did. So if, if there was something we wanted to do, we just do it. Um, and then over time, as you get more subscribers and then we you know, launching all the other stuff and you, you start getting more and more stuff to do, then you have to run things through more and more of a filter as far as like, well, we'd like to do this, but we don't have time because we're doing all this other stuff. So it, it, it is sort of this back to roots thing for me of just, of just, if you're excited creatively by something, you know, just do it and, and see what happens. And maybe the audience doesn't like it, but you tried it and you know, uh, there's going to be some failures along the way. Nobody's got a perfect batting average. Oh, we've been there plenty of times, <laughs> plenty of times. So we're familiar with that, but I'm excited for you. That's very exciting. Everyone listening right now, you better go subscribe and you better check them out on Patreon as well. Yes, patreon.com slash Dan Merle, just my name, Dan slash Dan Merle. Um, great community, overwhelming, uh, really, in this first week. And talking to them there uh, through messages or comments that they're leaving on the posts that I make or on our Discord community. Again, being able to, to, to meet new people. There's a lot of people that I knew from my time at Screen Junkies and Fandom who have jumped over and are now supporting me as well that I can talk to and, 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 and reconnect with some of them. And it's, it's just been, it's been so much fun and, and, and such a great first step to this journey. I, I really can't wait to, to continue it. Um, it. It's, it's, it's a lot of work and it's definitely overwhelming, um, but it is also very um, rewarding so far. That's Fantastic. so exciting. I'm so, I'm so happy for you. That's great. Well, let's kick it off with our first segment, uh, what we're into this week or slash how you doing? Uh, just kind of checking in with uh, how we're doing right now during this 
you know, I'll lightly say crisis. Uh, <laughs> DJ, let's go ahead and start off with you. What are, what have you been doing this week and how are you feeling? I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling all right. This um, I've actually I've gotten into a rhythm that's actually pretty productive uh, for me with writing and stuff over over this. I was going to say break. It's it's not a break, but we all know what it is. <laughs> um, I, I think after we recorded last episode, um, I watched uh, Code 8 on netflix and that'll be something that our fans will probably be familiar with because it stars um steven amell and his brother his brother not brother cousin his cousin robbie amell um and they did a short film a few years back uh and that was part of a crowdfunding campaign that made this movie and so now i checked it out and it's um uh see if this sounds familiar you're in a world where some people are born with amazing abilities but the people the rest of the world doesn't like those people, so they have robot police that go and hunt those people and force them b- basically to live underground. Does that sound familiar? It doesn't ring it's a got, single bell. It it's got like a bell. certain like X factor that uh, sounds familiar. Yeah, so just that little bit of X. Like, you're, you're right, Dan. A little bit of X factor that uh, that yeah. sounds familiar. But it is it's it is a fun um, little. Uh, sci-fi movie that has some cool I, I like the fact that it's kind of more focused Robbie Mills character is kind of forced into a more um, criminal underworld which is kind of unique to these like young person has a power and I thought that was cool and I feel like I wish we would have spent more time in that it's one of those movies that has a sequence where like Stephen Amell is uh, training Robbie Mel, which by the way it reminded me a little bit about of the disaster artist where you have two people that are clearly related playing people that are not at all related which is a little distracting um, but there's a sequence where he's like training them and like integrating in the world and it's it's a montage and it's one of those moments like oh this is this is your move this should have been your movie like this this whole section that's probably about maybe 10 or 15 minutes is where the interesting things are happening and the rest of it is stuff you've seen in other movies done done probably better um, but I think they're making a Quibi series um, off of it, which makes a lot of sense. It, they definitely do a lot of setup in that movie to like, you know, imagine the world. And um, so whether it's, I know it's doing great on Netflix. So, uh, you know, maybe they're like, dang it, we should have waited for our Netflix deal instead of the Quibi deal. <laughs> but um, uh, <laughs> it will probably be seeing more of that down the line. I also checked out, and Sam, I think this applies to you as well. I also checked out the first episode of Middle Ditch and, Middle Ditch and Swartz, that um, stand-up improv special on Netflix. And what did you think? I loved it. It was it was hilarious. You you took me to a show when we were at Comic Con a couple years back, and um, oh my god, it was it, the last Comic Con I went to, and that was a that was a really cool treat because that was their first Comic Con performance. Nice, yeah. It was it's a lot of fun, and the special was really good. Yeah, just a uh, just a piggyback, really quick. I've definitely talked about Middleditch and Schwartz too many times, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, Thomas Middleditch, star of Silicon Valley, Ben Schwartz, voice of Sonic the Hedgehog, and Jean Ralphio from Parks and Rec, which is coming back for an episode, which is exciting. Side note, those two uh, goofballs come together and they do a fully improvised show uh, that was touring for a long time. It was based at like UCB and then it was you can watch it at the Largo for like 30 bucks. And now they've been doing tours and now they just sold uh, it as a special to Netflix. And there are three. There's technically three specials. They're each like about 40 to 50 minutes a piece. And they just get a recommendation from the audience and they build a whole scene off of it and filmed improv could be an absolute train wreck <laughs> could ever be really not funny um and that's why it was we kind of listening i listened to um comedy bang bang this week and they were on and um they were talking about like how hard it was to sell because you can't since it's improv there's nothing to like you can't like show them recorded jokes like a stand-up you can't really like show them what they're exactly buying but they're 
tour, their show is unbelievable. And every single person I brought with me to go see it, I've watched it like seven times now. Each time, it's absolutely amazing. And they nailed it. They filmed seven specials and they picked the top three and they put them up on Netflix. And I've only watched the first two. I'm watching the last one tonight. And it's so far, I it is the most I've laughed in months. And it's just like, I think the last time I laughed this hard was when I saw them in February. Uh, when they're doing a benefit show for the Australian wildfires. Remember that happened this year? Cool. Remember where Australia burnt down? <laughs> that was this year? That was oh this year. God. Yeah, Bad News Bears. Also, the Amazon. I hope that's out. I'm not sure. Actually, I'm not sure about either of them, being completely honest. Uh, we got a lot of stuff on our plates right now. Um, but really quick, I just I wanted to, I'll just piggyback onto what I'm into this week and then we're going to ask Dan. Uh, this week has been great and very productive. Middle Edition Schwartz was a wonderful surprise. Also, what we do in the Shadow Season 2 is just getting better and better. And I finally showed my um, family, we watched over Zoom, uh, the movie, What We Do in the Shadows, and they had never seen it before. So it was very cool to show them that, and they they loved it. Uh, and that made me happy because dry humor is risky. It's risky yeah. for uh, audiences because my dad loves his Hallmark original Christmas movies that come out year round. <laughs> so it's really it's a big old it's a big risk if there's no Christmas involved or <laughs> someone planning a party. I don't know what happens in those movies. Uh, someone anyways. gets married. Someone is like a royalty in disguise or mm-hmm. or pr- pretending not to be. There are certain tropes. Yes. Yeah, you got to have someone owns a bakery or a flower shop. <laughs> a lot yeah. of bakeries, a lot of flower shops. Yeah. They were in New York, but now they go back home and they realize, oh, this is where I was supposed to be my whole life. Anyways, they're getting off track. <laughs> a different episode of we're talking about Hallmark movies, which I can't believe we've never done. Yes, we'll get there. Off track. We'll get there. But uh, I've been working on a, a, a couple personal projects, which has been really nice. Uh, but I did want to give a shout out. Who brain blanking. Here it is. If you're a fan of Scrubs, uh, which I'm re-watching right now with my girlfriend, that's been really great, uh, Zach Braff and Donald Faison have a podcast together now over at the iHeartRadio Network, and it is called, it's easy, Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald. And uh, kind of like a mutual friend of all of us, Joelle Monique, is uh, the producer for that show, which is really cool because you hear her shout out. You get like, she gets like shout outs in the middle of the podcast. I'm like, that's super cool. Very jealous of her job right now, but I'm very proud of like proud that she gets to do that because the the, uh, show is one of the funniest podcasts uh, out right now. Um, Just purely just for Scrubs trivia, for behind the scenes looks at certain scenes that I remember or how they built out the show or how they pitched it. Uh, And just hearing I don't know. Zach Braff and Donald Faison are always going to be enjoyable to listen to just hearing them talk and, and share their experiences. So if you guys would, if you guys are a fan of Scrubs or if you want to just pick up a new show, like community just came to Netflix. Well, Scrubs is on Hulu. So go check that out and listen to the podcast at the same time. I think that'd be a really smart decision on your behalf. And I did want to plug really quick. Last thing. Uh, last Friday, I did a hosted trivia night for uh like some friends and family and we did it over zoom and we my girlfriend and i it was tropical themed we got dressed up we made very alcoholic blue drinks uh so we were doing great and uh we hosted a trivia night and it was great and we just i just got confirmation over amazon that all the prizes were shipped i sent two people those coin banks that have mouths that slowly eat the coins as they come into the thing with the gross faces you know what i'm talking about Classic. Uh, one of them is one of those reveal pillows that are sequined where you like rub it one way and it makes a picture. I'm and obsessed with those things. I got I got one with Prison Mike because the person won the office trivia round. It's oh a very God. It's a solid reveal. And uh, this was our second themed game night where the winner of the last one got a mini 
uh, waving arm inflatable man, like a mini one on the table. And it sucks. It doesn't work, but it's still hilarious. <laughs> so we bought them a seven foot tall version of just the inflatable <laughs> one for the pool. So I, I hope they keep winning because they're smarties and I hope they keep winning. We can keep sending them different versions of the same prize <laughs> over and over again. But um, that's I've, I've blathered too much. Dan, excuse me, I'm just uh, dehydrated over here. Tell us, what are, how are you doing and what are you into this week? First of all, a, a sequin reversible pillow of Prison Mike is like, this, it was like it was made for me. I have to find Indiana. that now. That's like my, that's my Indiana Jones thing. You're going to find me in a, in a temple in Peru, like, <laughs> like looking at trying to swip, swap it out. That's incredible. Uh, well, this week has been a lot of the channel. Honestly, it's been a lot. I haven't been uh, taking in as much this week, but there's a, few, a couple things. We have been catching up on Better Call Saul. Yes, and we, so good. And we, 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 we've gotten up to the finale. We haven't watched the finale yet. We're probably going to watch it tonight or tomorrow. But uh, we finally caught up to Better Call Saul, which is so good. It's yeah, like incredible. It, 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 it's doing everything that usually annoys me about a prequel show as far as like filling in the gaps and bringing back characters. But like they're doing it in such a smart way that uh, I love that show. So uh, that has been and it's good on its own, too. It's not relying on Breaking Bad. It's, yeah. it's, it's good on its own terms. Uh, I'm thinking of actually when it's done, which has got one more season, like I want to watch it. um first chronologically and then go into breaking bad for better call Saul, because I think that might be an interesting experience. So we've been catching up on that and I finally watched Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, cool. Not seen. Um, I actually, uh, I didn't mind it. Yeah, it's perfectly fine. I didn't mind it. I, I, I'm going to do a review of it uh, later this week on the channel. So I don't want to go too much into it, but uh, I, I was surprised by how much I didn't not like it. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that might be. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so we watched that, and then um, I talk about it all the time, but like uh, our decompression thing is 90 Day Fiance. And, <laughs> there you go. And, yeah, I'm and seeing a is, lot of memes about that because I don't watch it, but hot, oh my God. <laughs> well, well, and this is this is, this is is like the, the, the only silver lining to this whole thing is like this is like a golden era for 90 Day Fiance fans because not only did one, did one series, they have like five different iterations. So one of them just ended. And they just started another one, and they just started a limited series where they're they're all it's all of the former cast members in quarantine, like filming themselves. Wow! And so it's like all of the varnish from these like crazy people's lives. Like some of them aren't crazy, but a good seventy percent of them are. You get to like see them actually at home and not at the fake homes that they make them uh, go to for the show. Uh, it, it is it is quite fascinating, and it's almost like a where are they now for across the whole series. So, yes, for for ninety day fiance fans, it is truly a, an unprecedented time. It's a golden uh, era for for it's a, it's a golden era. Yes. So By the I, way, are right, really quick. Are you watching any of the other Netflix uh, reality shows like Love Is Blind or too, what was the new one like? Too hot to too hot something? to handle. No. We were tempted to do Love is Blind, but we're like, we've got to catch up on Better Call Saul. We have to, there's some prestige TV we should probably catch up on. Uh, we watched Tiger King, of course. Yes. And then nailed it. We, we, we just, we just, we just ate all of that in one sitting, no pun intended. We just, we love nailed it. Uh, so uh, that we, we went through. But yeah, we, we're, we're sort of shuffling between what to catch up on and what to watch because we have a lot to catch up on. Um, like, I, I still haven't watched Watchmen. There's yeah. so much that we haven't seen yet, so my, I gotta figure it all out. Yeah, my wife You're and I have had, 
Oh yeah, you're in a, Sam was saying you're in a, for a treat for Watchmen. Uh, yeah, and also um, uh, my wife and I are behind on Plot Against America, which we need to catch up on. But um, mm. did finish Better Call Saul, which is just really obviously I won't say anything about the finale, but just so you're right, it just it's it's way better than it has any right to be, uh, being a prequel. Um, mm. But you also mentioned um, uh, on your channel you were doing a review for Picard, and I wanted to ask you your thoughts about Picard because I, I watched that for the first season of that. Yeah, I, we just caught up on it for me to do the review. We just finished it up this week. And I mean, it, it's weird. I said this in the review is there's so much in it that is absolutely feels completely antithetical to Star Trek, mm-hmm. just wrong on every level, every conceivable level. But the core of it is very Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And and I actually, because I saw the, I watched the first episode right when it aired and I, and I had, a, I was pretty optimistic because it, the, the, the initial premise of the show, I liked this idea of like Picard is wanting to sort of come to terms with his friend's death. And he finds this, this seemingly unfinished business that's gone on and he wants to get to the bottom of it. And he's at odds with the Federation and Starfleet over the stuff. Like that's, that's like classic Trek stuff of this. Like uh, you have these, these philosophical differences and you've got to work out these, these things. Uh, but then as it spun off, it, it got to the point where it's like, everybody has this really complicated, dark, tragic past that yeah. doesn't really pay, pay off or feed into anything other than just taking up time. And there's like, I think if you put it all together, like one entire episode is all just like Romulan mythology and hierarchy, which is it's all window dressing, but it's so much window dressing that it's like obscuring what you're supposed to be looking at. Yeah. So it's at its core. I thought it had this really strong story, Uh, but there was so much artifice added onto it that it just it just it just weighed the whole thing down. So uh, I was very, very mixed on it. I hated, I hated how they ended it. Um, But at the same time, because it did have these glimmers, I'm hoping that like, maybe this was all just, they felt like they had to have this overly complicated thing to relaunch it. And now that you have the characters established and Picard established and you pretty much settled the, the whole, the storyline from the first season, I'm hoping that they sort of reconnect to that core and it becomes about adventure and, and discovery and this, this fight for a hopeful and optimistic future and not death and sadness and darkness and all of the stuff that largely drove the first season. Yeah, so I agree we'll with see. that. I, I was, I talked to some people as well with, we, we also had some, some mixed feelings I, I talking about comparing it to better call Saul that you were talking about how it does things that prequels shouldn't do but it does them well i know there was a lot with picard a lot of the the talk around it was like hey we didn't want to just rely on old star trek stuff but on the other hand i don't know about you but it seems like the pe- episode people liked the most was the episode where he hung out with Riker and troy and it's like yeah, yeah maybe you should have just done maybe every episode should have just been him hanging out with his old friends <laughs> Well, because it's about friendship. Like that whole thing is about friendship and duty and, and all of that stuff. But but I even said like like the thing that annoyed me is like that I, I like that episode a lot, but like even them, they're like, Oh, and we have a dead kid. It's like yeah. oh, them too. Like does everybody have to have some huge tragedy in their past that yes. they have to like it, it just felt it feels like cheap stakes to me. It's like an easy way for them to, to get you to sympathize with these characters. It's, it's if you write good characters, you're gonna sympathize with them naturally. You don't have to throw in all these cheap things to make you feel sympathy. 
Yeah, but the, the sorry, you got me going again. <laughs> it's all good. It's I don't have a lot of people to talk about Picard with, so when somebody mentions <laughs> it, I gotta, I gotta, because I'm not the the biggest. I'm like I'm not one of the most hardcore Trek fans, but in my household growing up, we watched a lot of Next Generation. So when you know CBS All Access was like Picard show, I'm like, well, I'm watching. I, I'm in. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So uh, so I, I like to to pick people's brains, and it's it seems to have been overall pretty divisive. So I like to pick people's brains on it. Uh, when yes. I get a chance. So By thank way, you for humoring you did, me. DJ, I did want to ask, did you watch more of Gravity Falls or did you kind of fall off that? I've kind of fell off that. I've been rewatching uh, Community as, as kind of like my my fun go-to because I, I started falling down that rabbit hole and I love, I really enjoy that show. But I will co- probably come back to Gravity Falls. I did want to give another shout out because I think I talked about it last week, but I finished it. And that show is smarter than it deserves to be. And it's creepier than it does, than I thought Disney would ever uh, make it. It's very, it's genuinely terrifying at different points. And I just watching that and like Steven Universe and a couple of these other animated shows, it's very cool. The creators that are coming up right now that are willing to take these risks with the medium, with creative storytelling, but also the art styles and the soundtrack and the soundscape uh, and the different vocal talents just i'm very impressed with uh the current shows that i've been checking out and they've been very uh rewarding and fun and they've got good lost-esque mysteries that actually pay off in a rewarding way but uh you know what with that let's go ahead and transition into the meat of the episode because uh danny talked about the last movie you think you saw was uh birds of prey uh ours is bloodshot but and it's gonna be maybe till july 14th 17th uh, until we could possibly see tenant in theaters that looks like the newest movie that could still possibly be available for us but um i, I don't know so far how have you been watching new quote new movies have you been doing the 20 dollars rentals for any of the releases um i haven't really watched a lot of the new ones uh we we have access through through sort of my legacy my legacy contact is honest trailers i was able to see a couple of them just because we were looking at them potentially for that but going forward i think that uh yeah that's going to be if for, for scoob for example is a movie that uh, i'm probably going to rent you know for review purposes uh, and that's probably going to be the way forward is that or you, it's not like you're going to get a chance apparently to see these movies in theaters later Mm-mm. So Scoob I, I is think, looking like they're just doing VOD as well as Artemis Fowl, which was surprising because I totally haven't heard about that movie for two years. So it just popped out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, Artemis Fowl, I, we, we talked about it when, when Disney started pushing dates, the, the problem, the thing with Disney is that they planned everything out five years in advance. So yeah. when you start pushing movies off their release dates, everything shuffles around. And I think the Artemis Fowl for me was always a target for getting, pushed over to Disney plus because you have to, you can't just bump everything back a date. You're going to have to scrub something off the schedule at some point. And it was a movie that was already bumped once. It was supposed to come out last summer. And I, I think that uh, they probably said, listen, it's, it's probably, it seemed like they thought it might be a money loser anyway. So why not bump it over to Disney plus you get that extra little hype about that it's uh, you know going straight to the streaming service and you can only see it there. Maybe it maybe it generates a little revenue that way uh, because right now everything for Disney is a money loser. So I, I don't I think the economics of it might even be out of the, you know it, it's a drop in the bucket at this point. Yeah. Do you think with speaking of like Armas Fowl and like Scoob is when a studio is like oh this is going straight to VOD is that like a vote of no confidence like oh that was already going to tank in the theaters anyway here it is on streaming services. 
I think normally it would be. I think right now it's just a, it's almost a survival me- method and a way to figure out how you're going to navigate this, this, this world afterwards, because you, again, you can't delay everything and every and every movie's all going to be, they're all going to be trying to come out at once. Like if you look at the back half of this year, let's say theaters do open on July 15th for the rest of this year, except for a few like jungle cruise that, that pushed, you've got, like all of the summer movies, some of the spring movies, plus the Christmas movies and the Oscar movies, all of that stuff is now compressed and packed into this one time period. You're going to have to start pulling stuff out because there's, there's just not going to be room for everything. So I, I think Universal did it with Trolls World Tour, and it seemed like they got some okay results based on what they shared. I think when you're looking particularly at the family market, the studios are saying it seems most likely that that this is going to go for if there's a parent at home and they got a, a couple of kids that asking them to pay $20 for a kid's movie. Number one, it's new entertainment for the kids at home. Number two, paying a $20 rental fee to see it at home is probably less than they would have paid to take all their kids to the theater yeah. and themselves to see it. So I think largely with family films, studios might be looking at this as a way to say, we can clear off the schedule. We can maybe make the same amount of money, maybe a little bit less, but at least not run the risk of this getting completely buried if we put it out in theaters when it's safe to go back. Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. And also, like, especially when it comes to like the the kids' content, if you got like Trolls World Tour or Scoob and you've got or onward before it came to Disney Plus, but you've got it. I don't know about you, but my nephew, I have nephews who constantly watch the same movie over and over and over again until it's just burned into everyone's brains. <laughs> so if you've only got a 48 hour window on that, you're going to re up that pretty quick. So maybe you end up making it like 40 to $60 on one family before it uh, becomes more widely released. So, I mean, yeah. it was, I mean, I don't know. Good for universal for making some money with uh trolls world tour. Um, and I was really glad that onward came to, uh, Disney Plus because I just want more people to see that movie. I really enjoyed that movie and uh, rewatching yeah. it again is just more tears. And I can't wait to watch it a third time because there's gonna be more tears. And I'm just gonna have to have water nearby so I stay hydrated. But um, yeah, no, I, it, it's I, I'm I it's I don't know about concern, but I just it's just a facet of my daily life that I miss more than I thought. The idea of going to a movie theater and and uh, just sitting with my friends or my family and being able to share that experience with them. And uh, at the end of the year, I don't know if it's going to... Do you feel comfortable running back to like the movie theater after this happens? Even if like Alamo Drafthouse, before they shut down, were taking extreme measures of sanitizing the seats and the handles for doors in between all the screenings. Would Even if they were taking measures like that, do you find yourself being comfortable going back to a theater? I think that if if the public health officials mm-hmm. are saying that it is safe with these with these procedures in place, um, with the you know and 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 that's the thing is theaters are not probably not going to open at full capacity. Yeah, they are not going to. They're going to have social distancing measures in place. Um, I, I think that if there's guidance saying that it's safe under these conditions, and there are theaters that are operating under those conditions and have and this is the big thing that you have to have and have staff there to enforce them. Yeah. Because if you, if you have these rules, but nobody's following them, then you may as well not have them. You have to have enforcement for this. Uh, then, then, you know, I would feel safe, but that's not to say that, you know, if you're in a screening where nobody, where people aren't following these procedures and this is what theaters are going to have to fix, what is the recourse there? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say in a situation where I feel unsafe or I feel like, 
uh, Mara is unsafe. Uh, we're not going to just just to go see a movie. So that's really going to be one of the things theaters have to figure out is what is the enforcement? Um, and there's going to be a hit because, yeah, you're not going to be playing. I, you know, I, I don't I'd be shocked if you see theaters playing at a full capacity this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe by November or maybe by Christmas, absent uh, uh, another wave of this. Um, I, I, it's it's really going to fundamentally change the theatrical experience for a while past when they say that they're going to open, which may be July, but but nobody really knows that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, July feels unbelievably ambitious. And I do, uh, DJ, I do want to go to you in a second, but I did want to say that I've seen a lot of communities, uh, people in communities specifically, doing pop up drive-in movies where they like project a film on the side of a building and they like get an FM or an AM radio signal and they're able to have people join in. Mm-hmm. I would not mind like summer pop-up drive-in movie theaters becoming a thing. Like in July, if you did big releases where you could stay in your car, you eat your own snacks, you just go to the same bathroom together. That way you don't have to touch anything. Everything's a little safer. I wouldn't mind that, but sorry, DJ, go ahead. No, actually, I think that that you just presented one of the few silver linings I could think about because I, I think the drive-in experience is a lot of fun. I do have a pretty uh infamous bad experience with a drive-in but that was my fault (laughs) that was on me um but i I really like drive-ins we don't have really the infrastructure for that right now but i I mean it could be cool to see them uh make a comeback but then we do have some um questions from our listeners on the discord that i wanted to run your way uh one of them is from sds 2084 uh what is going to be the first film to break a billion dollars after this covid craziness i did like this question if that's going to happen this year, bad boys, a billion dollars. Yeah. That's, that's global. That's worldwide, which uh, was, well, perhaps they will recover globally before we do, depending on stuff like that. I mean, China experimented briefly with reopening and then didn't. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing is if, if Disney holds to July with Mulan, I mean, Mulan, I think was pretty, I think was a, was a pretty, pretty solid contender potentially for a billion dollars. But I don't know if coming out that early, if you're going to, if you're going to approach that, because not only can you not guarantee, if, not only is it not going to be playing into full, in full theaters here in the U.S., uh, in North America, but who's to say if it's even going to play in China yeah, at all, if those theaters are going to be open in July. So it's weird to think about because last year we had the most billion dollar movies ever yeah. uh, of any year. Almost all the top 10 movies made a billion dollars this year. As I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about it, uh, I don't know if we're going to have one yeah. just from the realities of, of how many people can safely fit into a theater and talking about cutting the capacity of theaters worldwide, potentially by half. I don't know if the economics are there, to sustain a billion dollar grossing movie. I'm just, I'm just not sure. So are we kind of in a situation, the twofold question, well, I, the, I'll just ask the first one. So are we kind of in a situation where we might not see that again until maybe, you know, fast and furious in 2021. That's certainly a contender. And if theaters are all back up and running by 2021, let's say that, that, and I hope this is the case that there's a vaccine that it's, that it's available globally, that the flare ups have ceased, that everyone is looking at the, at the, at the, the situation and saying like, okay, we feel like that we can ease social distancing measures. We feel like that theaters are safe to play at a full capacity. Cause that's the other thing. It's not only being legally allowed to for theaters. I think it's a liability issue because yeah. imagine being a theater that, decides even if they say it's okay to play to a full theater decides to ease social distancing and then there's a hot spot in that theater yeah 
you're looking at a class action lawsuit potentially. Like there's so many intangibles that theaters have to feel safe doing. I think that's why even in Georgia, when, when there was in other states where they said it's okay for movie theaters to be open, I think that's why so many theaters have said like, but we're not gonna. Yeah. Because yeah, we can't guarantee a safe environment. Props to AMS so, being like, we're not going to open until there's even a new movie to show. Like what, like yeah. there, also what's the point? Like no one's going to feel like there'd be a, a handful of comfortable people that would actually want to go to that movie, but also like, what are they going to show? Who's going to be working there? They're not essential workers. Also, I did look up the list of essential workers this week, and it was larger than I thought it was. Yeah, it was bigger than I thought it was. I believe they said podcasting was an essential activity. See, well, and we're, we can do it social distancing, so we're all good. So the other question <laughs> yeah. I had to ask you, unfortunately, this this is part of my ignorance. Under normal conditions, what movies would like would Tenant and Wonder Woman have under normal conditions made a billion? Um, tenant, I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, I think it largely depends on, on the strength of, uh, of the film. Uh, and if it has that global appeal, um, it, I, I think that wonder woman would have been a stronger contender okay. to make a billion dollars. The first one I think did around 800 globally. Okay. And you, you, that was a popular movie. I don't think that she was really damaged as a character by some of the more underwhelming movies, both critically and financially since then. So I think it definitely had a shot, particularly if it was a great movie. But again, now if it's sticking to that July, I think they rescheduled for the end of July or, or maybe August a release. I just, I just don't know. I just don't know. And, and, and AMC, I think has said, I read, I was reading this morning, a new story. I think AMC has said that even if, even if social distancing measures start easing, they are not planning to reopen until tenant comes out. Yeah. Actually, so, yeah. oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, that was yeah. After you. Okay. So Gary, Gary, Gary over on Discord. Um, he first off writes, "Dan the man, my favorite movie critic. Even if you guys don't, even if you don't agree with his opinions, he is the reason I started taking analyzing films so seriously. Uh, love you, man." And he wrote a bunch of hearts. So that was oh, really that's great. Thank you, Gary. Uh, now Gary he followed it up with. Uh, does Dan think theaters who are using the subscription service will raise the prices to make up for the losses they're taking because of the quarantine or raise prices of concessions or neither uh, or something completely different? So like, because I know AMC A-List, that was a big, does a big help to a lot of people. We've been for DJ and I've been fortunate enough to be able to use uh, like press screenings as a way to really go see movies, which has been fun. Uh, mm-hmm. And only like I've, I've been, it's been nice to save money on movie tickets. I'll be honest. But um, do you, do you see, uh, how do you see, movie theaters uh recouping the financial losses of this uh quarantine because it'd be really cool if they were uh not raising prices but what how what would you see them doing yeah this is something that i think is really interesting because you know amc is raising i think or trying to raise like 500 billion dollars in debt to to just stay afloat uh, potentially through the rest of the year. Uh, I mean, they're, they, yeah, that's a lot. They're in a pretty serious financial position. I think uh, they said they're paying over $200 million a month just in rent every month that they're, oh, that, that this goes on with zero, literally $0 coming in or very few. I'm sure they have a few, they have like their on-demand rental services and whatnot. So that's where I, I would be curious to know what the financials are on a list for them. Are they making money from A-list uh, people with with concessions and stuff, or is it a thing where they were trying to build a brand loyalty and they may be taking either a marginal uh, a marginal profit from that or or a small loss just to get more people into the into the building? Because if A-list is a big money maker for them, then I could see them dropping the price to incentivize more people to go and and to the movies. Yeah. If they're losing money on an AMC A-list member. 
I don't really see how they could drop the price at all because you can't lose more money at this point if you're AMC and you're probably already going to be losing money a little bit. You have to maximize the profit. Raising concession prices, obviously that's a big ticket way to get uh, to, to generate revenue, but you're also dealing with people that have been a lot, a large number of Americans that have been furloughed, that have been out of work for months. Do you want to make the movie movie going experience more expensive for them? Cause that then drives them away. It, it, it is such a complicated game of calculus. I think for these businesses to figure out what measures can you take? Can you afford to drop prices as a company? Can you afford not to drop prices as a company? It is, uh, it is, such, it is such an unenviable position. Yeah. Uh, especially in a situation where you think you may have guidance, you know, right now they're, they're hoping and they're planning to open in the middle of July, but there's absolutely no guarantee that that will be a possibility. For None sure. whatsoever. And, so and I remember, oh, yeah. sorry, keep, keep going. <laughs> no, it's, it's so, so it's just, there are so many, it's like playing whack-a-mole, uh, but you don't even know where the holes where the moles are going to pop up are. Uh, you just have to just do your best to not get completely overwhelmed. For sure. And I remember reading earlier on in this year that the first like you can correct me on this because I feel like you're going to know more about the financials when it comes to the success of movie theater chains. But I had heard that Alamo Drafthouse was one of like the first or one of the only uh, movie theater chains that has like that's in the black that because they've been because their concessions and their special Mm -hmm. events and they screen movies that cost nothing to get the rights to. So they like they do Terror Tuesday and whatnot. So it's like I could see them kind of getting popping back a little faster because they have such a good community outreach. I, I wouldn't mind seeing AMC taking a similar swing. I don't want them taking Alamo draft house whole bit, you know, like, like, cause I want Alamo to be Alamo, but I, I would, could you see them pulling similar stunts in the sense of screening cheaper movies, you know, like that possibly like you can watch like, uh, like maybe they do like a kid's summer movie list, like fathom events does like they're like, uh, reruns of like Ghibli movies and whatnot, mm-hmm. but uh, you like maybe what what kind of tactic tactics do you think would be beneficial for movie theaters at this time or when they reopen specifically? Yeah, I, I mean, again, it's it's like it's this contradiction of things where you, you want to take an action that's going to drive the maximum amount of people into your theaters at a time when you can't bring the maximum amount of people into your theaters. Um, so it's like, what is the programming that's going to bring the right number of people? But 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 you can't. I, I think that perhaps, and I think they've talked about in this release that I was reading where they said that they're not going to open until mid-July, but they they left open the, the possibility to screening not only new films like Tenet and like Wonder Woman, but also screening uh, library titles. Movies that, as, as they said, I think, movies that were popular past releases. So mm-hmm. perhaps Avengers or something from the MCU or Inception or something from these studios. Um I, I really think that you can just try to chip away is take your best guess at what people might want to come and see and, and, and see what happens. It's going to be a, pro- a process of trial and error. And, and there's really not a lot of margin for error because, you know, they've got to get, they've got to get that cash flow going pretty soon. Um, you know, draft house, it, it's weird because, you know, we've been talking for a long time about how all the big chains are pushing all of these little independent theaters out of business um, which is true. It's hard for them to survive. Now we're in a situation where a lot of them, if they pull through this, are going to be potentially in a better financial position in that AMC is going to be in hundreds of millions of dollars of debt. If an independent theater is still open, uh, they're probably not going to be in as much debt and they're eligible for small business assistance from the government. Um, 
and they sort of have to do, they don't have to generate as much revenue as quickly. Um, so I think a chain like Alamo, which has smaller theaters, which has multiple revenue streams, not just ticket sales, but, but food and alcohol sales, which AMC does a little bit of, but not most, I think a lot of people go to Alamo and, and expect to buy that stuff. That's sort yeah. of an add on for a lot of AMC people. I think maybe we might be entering a world where, at least in the short term, these smaller theaters might be in a better position to financially recover than these big chains that have racked up hundreds of millions of dollars in debt while they've been completely shut down for months. It's a it's a very weird paradigm that's happening right now. No, and also I I agree with you, and I and I kind of hope that. I mean, I don't want to see AMC shut down because that means jobs lost. That means uh, fewer movie theaters. Everything. Yeah. I don't want anyone to lose in this situation. But that does. I hope that is true for Alamo Drafthouse because it is just. Man, I didn't realize how much I enjoyed going to that theater. Like I knew I loved it. Like, and I can't. I'll be honest. Can't shut up about it because <laughs> I really. I just enjoy the entire experience. Hey, I was planning to do my birthday party there this year because um I don't see that happening. Uh, I don't know if anyone's going to feel safe to do that. Um. But yeah, no, that is that is encouraging, DJ. I did have a question for Dan, but uh, DJ, go ahead. No, I think it's I think the one thing that's been on my mind, and I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on is, and this uh, kind of goes to my kind of fear with comic shops too. You know, a lot of comic shops are are like everybody are struggling through this, and and I guess I'm I'm an old soul. I like I like my physical media. I like going to my comic shop. I like going to my theater. I like doing those things, and and a lot of those activities have kind of been on the decline for. Uh, a while this doesn't this doesn't kill those industries right like this doesn't move everything online does it like we'll we'll still have you know it might be a year but we theaters will bounce back right (laughs) that's that's my that's the question myself that i'm sharing with you guys i think i mean they'll bounce back to an extent but i i do think this is definitely going to accelerate the new model of more home releases uh, less reliance on the theatrical model because uh, there's probably going to be some people that just don't go back. Yeah, which is which sucks because I love the big screen experience. So I think that this definitely hurts the theatrical, uh, the the traditional theatrical exhibition model. Um, but it, it, I, I don't know if it, it. I think it just accelerates a way that it was already hurting, um, which is very unfortunate. But it is going to thin the herd a little bit, which, which again, I, I don't want people to have less access to movies. And you certainly don't want job loss. And you, you don't want people that choose the theatrical experience to have fewer venues. But that was something that was already kind of happening a little bit. It's weird to say, like in the era of Avengers Endgame and all of these huge blockbuster movies. Um, but I, I, do, I do worry that it's, it's, it's going to take so long to come back that some people just aren't going to go back. Yeah. yeah no, people- I, I agree with you too. It's just, it's, it's disappointing. And especially when it comes to comic shops, cause it's like movie theaters, who's not going to see a movie, but like there's a smaller, way smaller portion of the population, uh, just nationally, not even globally that they attend, that goes to a comic book shop to read. And with digital comics becoming more mm-hmm. viable and available, like that's how I normally read, but I don't want to see comic shops go away. I love going to comic shops and uh, supporting that business, but who knows? I think businesses that have diehard supporters, though, um, again, are, are were the ones that were struggling perhaps to stay open before, but might struggle a little less when they reopen. Because, again, you have this 
people like you, Sam, who, who are saying like, whenever my new comic shop is open, I'm going because I love going to the store and I love reading comics. Um, there's a local video rental place, uh, believe it or not, a disc rental place called Cinephile here in Los Angeles that we love going to. And that we were worried about it. We're like, oh my God, is Cinephile going to close down? And we got an email from them saying like, we're fine. Don't yeah. worry about us. Like, because we were, we're so small. Yeah. That, you know, we, we haven't, like, we can't be closed for a year, but like, we're, we're going to be okay. And I know that the people that go to that, to Cinephile are going to go back because they support the store. They support the mission. I think you're going to see a lot of these places that, that, that inspire loyal customers. And I think the draft house is a theater chain like that as well. They are going to see, I, I think a higher return rate than some of these bigger businesses that might, the the size of the crowds might might scare certain people off now that makes uh, a lot of sense to me yeah and it makes sense too and we're kind of getting to the end of this episode and dan i appreciate your knowledge and the wisdom you've shared and i'm gonna need it one more time because danny m in the chat echo spider on twitter asks when new mutants will ever be released and i need i need an honest i need an honest answer will we even ever see this movie or will it be buried we will see it Mm. We'll see it in some form. Mm. Now, will it be released theatrically? It's, I mean, uh, hmm. mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't think it will be at this point. Unless they just want to say that they won. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Unless they just want to release it theatrically to say like, no, we did it. We, we, it's been seven years. It's going to be 2024 and new mutants is finally going to come out. Maybe it's just uh, maybe it's just a matter of principle at this point. Yeah. And then they can say, no, this is coming out. But again, when we talk about finding movies to take off a schedule to clear the way, like I hate to say it, but New Mutants is one of those. But clogging it up. The romantic in me, that that <laughs> that romantic heart in me says that I can't wait to sit in a theater and watch New Mutants because it's a, it's an underdog story. It is at this point. It's me- like a story about uh, succeeding against all odds. It's like a Rocky movie. so i want to see it in theaters but i think that it definitely has a target on its back for one of those that is not going to be uh shown in theaters what if it's very inspiring but i did want to say it could also go the way of do you remember a couple years ago when saudi arabia opened up movie theaters again and the first one they got was the emoji movie and we're like shit that's the one we sent are you serious i know that one (laughs) That's what they missed out on. Western cinema with emoji movie. I I was gonna say I was gonna go the other way. What if uh, New Mutants is the one that to, that breaks a billion dollars? It's the first one out of the gate that it's like, all right, well, I guess this is a thing now. I would imagine? love that. I would love that because I've I've talked about this on chart on when we were doing charts a few times before. It's like there's some movies that that open at the right time and like coast to like a, a huge success. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, the Tim Burton one, was one of them because it came out like right after Avatar and it was in 3D and it made a billion dollars. I would love for the end of the New Mutant story to be that it comes out at a time when everyone in the country is thirsting for a new movie and it makes a billion dollars. Like that would be so wonderful. That would be amazing. Like Sonic didn't make a billion dollars, but it what it ended up being the highest grossing video game adaptation, right? Like, uh, or that's what the, they were saying in the articles. Well, Sonic, Sonic never, uh, I mean, it never even had a shot because it did pretty well here. It had, it had somewhat of an abbreviated run, but it never opened in China, never opened in Japan 
never opened in a lot of major overseas markets. So that's a movie that I think could have easily made a billion dollars that now is probably not going to. I mean, they haven't announced that it's not coming out in those countries and it may still, but the further we get away from it, I think the less likely we are that it's going to be able to do that. So that's a movie where I think could have easily been, if not a billion dollar grocer, could have been up there. Uh, at mm-hmm. least half a billion could have been way higher up than it is now, but just the timing was, wasn't, wasn't there. Yeah. Well, I, I, we've been talking a lot of, a lot of sad stuff talking about, you know, the, the quarantine and, and theaters and stuff like that. So I wanted to end, um, uh, on a more fun question, uh, for you, Dan, uh, boiler Hoff says, Dan, as a Star Trek fan, do you want to see more movies in the franchise or do you think they should stick with TV series? If you'd like another movie, would you want another Kelvinverse movie or something new? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, I think that I love, I, I really like that cast. The, the Kelvinverse cast. cast? Yeah. I, I think often, I, I think a lot of times, particularly into darkness, I, I, it reminds me of some, like, I always thought of Pier- with Pierce Brosnan, like he was such a good James Bond, but he, he wasn't in a lot of movies that deserved how good he was as mm-hmm. James Bond. That makes um, sense. A lot yeah. of movies just like, he just didn't, he had some, hit some real bum ones. And I feel like, I feel the same way with that cast. I really like the cast and I would like to see them again, but it also seems like perhaps creatively, no one is really sure what to do with a Star Trek movie anymore because it's a tough sell. Star Trek yeah. is a tough sell. What do you think particularly makes, theatrically? What do you think makes Star Trek, Star Trek a tough sell? I think it's because it's not as it's not as much of a spectacle type franchise as a lot of other sci-fi franchises are, like like Star Wars in particular. Um, it kind of reminds me of Dune. Yeah, I'm gonna be excited. I'm going to be interested to see how they sell Dune, which is it's a lot of things about like morality and and humanity and uh, stuff like that so and timothy chalamet necessarily have the spectacle yeah what's up and timothy chalamet pouting now that's a part of it now yeah 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 well i was was say star trek is about those things Uh, i'd be interested to see what dune how how you sell dune um and i'm not saying dune is the same thing but it's not traditional sci-fi in Mm -hmm. in the sense of like and and i'm not even gonna say because actually dune is a little more but it's not like spectacle movie Star Wars sci-fi, which yeah. is what a lot of people are looking for. It's why Blade Runner was a hard sell. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, it, that is very much, quote unquote, traditional sci-fi, but it's a little hard to sell a, a kind of a mood piece, even though there was some great action in that movie. I think that it was hard to get people to run out in the theaters to see that. And I love that movie. So I think that's part of it. I think it's because a lot of the a lot of the payoff in those movies comes from the investment you have in the characters. And if you mm-hmm. don't have that investment, then you may not necessarily be as excited about going to see the movie. And, and again, I think it also has that stigma of star Wars had it for a little while and it sort of brushed it off because it's so successful. Like just being for nerds. Yeah. You know, like star Trek is for nerds. People see star Trek and they think of, you know, like, you know, the nerd on TV with the glasses and the tape and everything. I don't know if it's ever transcended that label. Star Trek 09 and into darkness probably came the closest yeah. to doing that. Um, but at the same time, particularly into darkness, I think alienated a lot of the classic Trek fans. So I think it's a hard sell for a lot of different reasons. And a lot of it just being that it's a very kind of, it's both niche. It's niche. In in a lot of ways, it's very niche. It has diehard fans, but it's hard to sell to the mainstream. Star Trek Four did so well because it was a great balance of the crew, but also it was a comedy. It was a comedy set in that in the present day at that time, so it was very relatable. 
so so for you, uh, more movies or, or TV show? You think? Um. Well, I, I I haven't been overly thrilled with the TV shows they've been producing, just because I think again because because the franchise is a little bit of a hard sell. I think they add a lot of darkness yeah. to it to set to make it seem more serious and and relatable and real and re- uh, relevant. And it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really do much for me as yeah. a fan of the franchise. So um, I guess I would really love for them to be able to reinvent the theatrical movie and figure out what it, the right balance between budget story and uh, and what people want to see to make it um, to make it reasonable to make a Star Trek movie because you you probably can't make a Star Trek movie with a four hundred million dollar budget and make your money back. Yeah, I think you could make a Star Trek movie on a one hundred million dollar budget and make your money back. But what is that movie and how can you make that? So I, 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 that's what I'd like to see them do. Do you ever think we'll see the Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie? <laughs> no, it, it, it's intriguing to me. It's it, it'd probably be the least. It'd be either the least or the most Star Trek thing of all time. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very curious about it, but I, I, I don't think we're going to see it. I would say it interests me for a lot of reasons because I am a Tarantino fan and I am a Star Trek fan. And it sounds so bug nuts insane that I'd just be interested. Um, but I will say a quality yeah. that his movies have that I think would benefit a Star Trek movie because you talk about investment in the crew. As as wonky as Picard was, when you had moments of specifically, like in the last episode, was kind of over the map. And if you think of the logistics of this scene, it kind of falls apart. But the scene where Picard is talking to Data uh, was mm-hmm. so interesting because I know who these characters are and their perspectives and what they mean to each other, that you're invested in what they're talking mm-hmm. about. And I think that's something that Tarantino movies do really well. They, I think they're the, they're, they come alive the most when you just have two people with a clear perspective communicating to each other. Um, and I think you're right. That stuff isn't, you know, that's not what you go to a see a star Wars movie for. Um, but that's what I think benefits that TV as a medium and those shows on TVs, you get time with these people to understand who they are and see them interact and, and, um, and, uh, not that Tarantino was writing it, but he's real good at having people have conversations. Yeah. Definitely, for sure. Very true. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, one more time, for all the people at home, uh, where can they find you and what can they look forward to on your new channel? Yeah, you can find me on youtube.com slash Dan Merle Movies. That's where you're going to find charts, which I'm going to figure out how to do again very soon, even without box office. That's my next challenge to overcome. Uh, reviews of movies and TV. I think we're going to be going back to some of the movies from earlier this year that I didn't get a chance to review and catch up on those. I'm also working on a couple of essays, uh, sort of video pieces that are not quite reviews, but, but sort of explorations about different movies and what I like. Uh, or don't like about them. But I, I think it, at first I'm going to really focus on movies, stuff that I like, movies that I love, and why I love those movies. Uh, I, it just, it's, just exciting, it's, it's exciting for me to share that kind of passion. Um, so I'm working on some of those. So it's kind of a mix of a bunch of different things all aimed toward film lovers and loving movies and loving to hear about movies and talk about them. Uh, so you can find that over on the YouTube channel. And then uh, patreon.com slash Merle. Uh, you can, you'll get uh, early access to all of that stuff. If you sign up for Patreon, I'm trying to give everyone access to everything uh, a day beforehand so that you get to see things first. Uh, also uh, at the director tier, uh, you get uh, Dan's monthly movie club, 
which is every month I'll assign uh, a couple movies or two or three movies to watch. And at the end of the month, another video answering questions and breaking it down. It's something I did uh, a while back, a, a movie club when I had a show on Screen Junkies Plus that I love doing it. I wanted to bring it back forever and I'm super excited to bring it back. Uh, you'll also get a, a, a live stream, Q&A live stream every month. And then at, a, at the producer level, which is the, the higher tier, uh, I'm also doing a feature commentary every month. So a full length commentary track for a movie that the, the, the people that uh, on Patreon pick. So you, they pick the movie. I do a, a, a commentary track every month. And there's also some other stuff. If you want to go and check it out, patreon.com slash Dan Merle. Uh, the communities that have already started building up around both of those things, the YouTube channel and Patreon, have been so incredible so far. And I'm really looking forward to to continuing ahead and getting to know more people and, and building. And it's just been it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's fantastic, man. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, and what's your Twitter? One more time for the people. To sure. Follow yeah, you. you can find me on Twitter at Merle Dan. It's got all those links, uh, Patreon and YouTube. And anytime I release a video, I'll, I'll, of course, I'll share it on Twitter as well. So, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Merle Dan. Fantastic. Uh, DJ, any final plugs or thoughts? No, Dan, thank you so much uh, for joining us. For everybody at home, if you want to check out our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash onlystupidanswers. We're doing uh, movie watch-alongs, and we've put uh, pretty much everything at the $5 tier because we know everybody's kind of struggling right now, and uh, and we you know want you to be a part of our amazing community um, as well. Uh, and um, we want to thank everybody that is there that's uh, watching live right now and uh, for sending us questions for uh, Dan and everything and uh, for supporting us in these wild and crazy times. But <laughs> yeah, you can. It's a, it, it's a weird one. It's a weird one, but you can follow me at DJ Talks Trash. You can follow at Sam. Sam yep. At Sam Basher, everywhere that matters, and at Only Stupid Answers on Twitter. Yank out the vowels from stupid. Bing, bang, boom, baby boys and girls. And also, if you'd like to join us on our Marvel Rewatch series, we're having special guests join us via our Patreon. So again, those five bucks a month. We call you in. We get your thoughts. We get your theories. We get your Easter eggs if you have them. And then we uh, upload that on YouTube a week later. So if you guys would like to join us, please consider subscribing. And if you guys would like, on Thursdays, 1 p.m. PST, I'm doing my comic book uh book club comic book club that's what it is uh, um uh live on anywhere where you search my name it pops up and then you can watch it live but uh until next time gang make sure you wash your hands don't cough on people watch good movies and tv shows and subscribe to dan and we'll see you guys next time bye bye bye